0: In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, I say thank you. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. I'm sitting behind my little Lenovo laptop writing what is becoming an annual tradition. It's that time of year when I have a lot of end of the semester projects to grade, several stressed out students coming to my office, and end-of-the-year projects which need doing. Last year, I put together a few audio essays, which are easier for me to produce, and I think that's a good idea for this year as well. But as I lean into type, I'm struck with how thankful I am. That doesn't mean some really lousy things haven't happened to me this year. I know there are a lot of things which haven't gone to plan, and I'm not interested in dwelling on those now. But I'm just as struck by how God has been good to me and my family. My family is planning to take the trip from Florida to Kentucky to visit with my folks. I hate making plans, but always happy to take the trip, then have the trip behind me. I can pretty well predict what's going to happen. I'll see many friends and family members i only see sporadically. I'll be able to pass my old high school, and I'll see that it doesn't resemble anything I attended. I'll see some old classmates now and their own families I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I'm surprised by what's changed and what's stayed a lot the same. At the end of a few days, I'll start missing my own bed. I'll feel a little like a stranger in the house I grew up in, and I'll start dreading the trip back to Tampa. Taking a trip back home, though, is a grounding experience for me. It literally reminds me where I'm from. Most of the stuff that used to be in my old bedroom are now in the basement, waiting to be reclaimed but I don't want them. There are some stories behind everything that's down there. There's the odd high school and college trophy reminding me of some competition that I was in, or some old books I always meant to read. There's a lot of stuff that served its purpose for a while, but now I don't need it or want it. As you get older, this happens more and more. I'm typing this in my older daughter's old bedroom that we're starting to turn into an office. There are some of Emma's decorations I suspect will share the same fate as the stuff I left about my parents' house, reminders that time passes and people change. In Exodus 12, God set up the Passover to remind Israel how they left Egypt. Their leaving wasn't something they accomplished, but God gave them. God set up a series of catastrophes that only affected the Egyptians, and when God planned to kill all the firstborn children, he gave the Israelites a way to avoid it. The Passover memorial reminded them God was looking out for them. It was a grounding experience. It was also an opportunity to recognize who God is and thank him for what he did. Saying thank you seems trivial, but it changes you in some profound ways. God doesn't need to be thanked, but we need to thank him to remind us how good he is and that our power and importance are both low, and that's a good thing. But we've talked about that before. God isn't a raging narcissist who needs our gratitude and reverence. He doesn't need his ego stroked or paid constant compliments to keep some fragile self-concept from imploding. Gratitude isn't an exercise in propping up God, but it's a mechanism to keep us connected to what makes us good. Can you agree with me on that? If being thankful is important to not just believe, but also do, and I think it is, then how do you do it? I think we struggle with that sometimes because, again, just saying thank you seems pretty pathetic, and maybe that's the point. Just saying thank you pales in comparison to what we received. But I'd like to suggest three ways to do gratitude, and these are pretty simple. First, use words. Second, give something back. And finally, help somebody else. Before we start talking about how to do it, I think there's an important mindset you have to have. I was listening to an episode of a podcast by my former student, BJ Sype. And he reminded me, we are often defined by our enemies. In other words, there are absolutely times we need to be hated by the right people. Hopefully, as Christians, we are Satan's enemies. The enemies of gratitude include entitlement, rudeness, spite, and envy. As a professor, I kind of feel the need to make this point explicitly. If you find yourself justifying why you have to be rude, why it's okay to be spiteful, why you are entitled to something which isn't yours, take a few seconds and check yourself. As a parent and professor, the students I have who missed the assignment or fell a few points short and then want to argue with me seldom get very far with me or any other professor I know. I feel certain sometimes we accommodate students like this because we want to get them out of our hair. But when you deal with a professor, a parent, a spouse, or anybody else you see on a semi-regular basis, you're talking about a longer-term relationship. The same professor you belittle or argue with is also the person you have to see in class every day, will be the source of your letter of recommendation, and ultimately be someone you treat like an employee or subordinate, or will become a lifelong resource to help you in and out of the classroom. I'm not saying don't have disagreements. You can and you should. Nobody grows by getting his way all the time. What I am saying is, treat someone else so they don't dread the next time you see them. And a more condensed way to say that is to treat other people like you'd like to be treated. So, once we get our head in the right space, how do we do it? Success literature is full of the advantages of gratitude. But before you can use your words, figure out who you're talking to. It's easy to say in a Christian podcast you need to thank God, and you certainly do. But take some time to figure out who else has helped you. Realize the people around you have the ability to make your life miserable or a little easier. Some people have done some amazing things for you, like given you life or helped you purchase a house make a family, raise children, put a roof over your head. Some things were important for a limited time, like someone who has driven you to the store or loaned you a car, kept a child from screaming, or in some way improved the quality of your life. You may be thinking, Kenny, that turns into a lot of people. Yeah, it does. So be grateful to a lot of people. Be generous, but don't be insincere. Look for people who deserve your gratitude, then give it. Tell them what you're grateful for. Then thank them for it. Thank your parents, your spouse, your children. Thank the young mother who is doing the best she can with her kids. Thank the person who opened your door. Thank the person who let you in front of them in line. Again, isn't that kind of silly? I mean, gratitude repeated over and over cheapens the usefulness, right? I mean, if you're known as the person who is grateful for everything, doesn't that mean others will just take advantage of you? Well, does it? You tell me. You undoubtedly have that story about the person who hoarded all their gratitude for only the most important monumental tasks. You might get one compliment from them a year. You know the extreme sincerity when you got that compliment. Now, tell me, when it comes to wanting to voluntarily spend time with someone else, be in a long-term relationship, someone you want to see every day, Are you wanting someone who generously gives you gratitude, or someone who generally makes you feel inadequate? And when you do, say thank you to God, say thank you, and be specific what you're thanking him for. The writers in the Bible thank God for mercy, deliverance, rain, bread, resurrection, memory, children, time, harvest, judgment, and a whole lot more. Why should we? Does God need it? Again. No, but it makes us recognize what specifically God has done for you. There is power in words to change how we see things, and it's important for us to be grateful for what others give us, because most of what we have has been a gift from someone. James tells us the destructive potential of the tongue, but there's just as much potential for good. Consider that God spoke the world into existence. Yeah, I know we can't do that. But our words create and demolish relationships all the time. However, a higher level of gratitude is to in some way return the favor someone has given you. In class, I would call this the norm of reciprocity. Most of us intuitively know if someone invites you to their house for a meal, we feel an obligation to return the favor. Likewise, when someone does us an extreme favor, we often want to return that favor by giving some meaningful token back. It is the basis of many of our most important relationships. Your friends are probably friends because someone did a favor for you, and you started into a cycle of doing nice things for each other. That's not a mistake. I remember one guy who ended up being a good friend of mine because He helped me move all my stuff from one apartment to another. It was a long day of boxing and carrying, but from sunup to sundown, we probably said about a dozen words to each other, but I knew he was there because he cared for me. Did I say thank you? Of course I did. But when I had the opportunity to do something nice for he and his wife, you know I didn't miss that chance. I bought things for people who mean something to me or shared stories about someone else because they gave me a kindness. Paul would say in Romans that we should outdo one another in showing honor. Practically, this often translates in picking up a restaurant tab or giving a sentimental gift. Gratitude, again, isn't a scorekeeper, but someone who appreciates and is generous with your resources. Sometimes those resources are money, time, expertise, and anything else in your power. I know, God calls us to repay evil with good, and that's hard. But you see the virtuous cycle that begins. I've said before, it's almost impossible to hate someone who loves you. Now let me add this. It's hard to attack someone who views you with gratitude. Sometimes we can't pay something back. We can only pay it forward. In First John, we're told God loves us. And because he does, we need to love others. Yes, we should love God back. But that love needs to be paid forward. I think about my own family here. There's a sense I can never pay my parents back for how they raised me. When I was a child, I didn't have the resources. Now that I'm an adult, my parents don't need it. So how do I express my gratitude to my parents? By being a good parent for my kids. And I hope the way that they pay me back is by being a good parent To their own families. I'm not trying to paint the circle of life, but I do think God intentionally puts us in positions where we cannot expect any kind of return. It's what He did for us. There's nothing we have that God needs, but His call for us is to use His love to motivate us to help others, to be grateful for others to be a blessing. Yeah, I know. This is an awfully hopeful idea. It's simple, but it sure isn't easy. The easy thing to do is to assume others already know your gratitude. It's easy to forget what we've been given. It's easy to take something evil or unhelpful and repay it with something that's equally evil or irrelevant. But it doesn't make the person you're dealing with better. And it makes you worse. When you let someone else's thoughtlessness, carelessness, and evil affect your reaction, you have suddenly given them a lot of power in your life. And that's not just bad advice. It's stupid. And yes, we've all been stupid before. But we can all do better than that. So let me practice a little what I've been lecturing. Thank you. Thank you to Kevin Hansen, Jerry Wright, George Sanchez, Don Nietzsche, Chris Kramer, Barbara McWayne, and my parents for financially supporting the podcast. Thank you, Hal, Emerson, Chris, Jeff, BJ, Jeremy, Craig, Darren, McCrary, Roberts, Warren, Edwin, Phil, Ben, Nathan, Steve, Anne, Megan, Paul, Heather, and so many others for helping me with the podcast. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for helping me become who I am. Thanks to my extended family for helping me become better. Thank you to my wife, Katie, and to my kids, Emma, Jake, Kent, and Abby, for being a part of my family. And God, thank you for what you've done with me and through me so far. I'm truly humbled and grateful. And you. you. <laughs> Some of you have listened to all 76 episodes. (laughs) That's just cool. I hope this has been helpful for you. But I hope you're taking what we talk about and helping it balance your Christian life. Thank you for being with me on this journey. I've said it before. I'm glad we've got a holiday that asks us to think about what should make us truly thankful. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, (laughs) well, it's hard not to think about the list I just gave. So I'll just take a cop out and say I'm beyond grateful for the stuff that allows us to talk. As I said at the beginning, this is a time when I'm doing a lot of schoolwork for my day job. So I anticipate the next couple of episodes will be audio essays. However, I have two interviews recorded, one with Kenny Moore and a second episode with Paul Gavin. You may remember Paul was the one who suggested we needed to define love as them first. I love Paul. I will also remind you that I am planning a lecture series in July 28th, 29th, and 30th of next year. I have more details about that coming up in the next few weeks, but we've been learning how to do this, and I get more excited every time I look at our plans. So until next week, let's be good and do good.